Greetings everyone, it's Friday, and that only means one thing. Well, maybe a couple other things. But one important thing is that it's a new episode of Ask Shane Anything. This show is basically a reward for those of you who pledge at $7 or more per month, because without you guys doing that, we wouldn't do the show. Um, we really appreciate you guys pledging at that tier. And if you like the show and you want to see it continue, maybe consider bumping up your pledge to that higher $7 tier. Um, everybody gets to watch every episode. We're not going to pull this content away from all our patrons. We appreciate all you guys very much. And once again, you guys have asked a great round of questions. Let's get straight to them. Our first question this week comes from Bach B. It seems like Metal Gear Solid Delta Snake Eater is going to be a remake in the vein of Spyro Crash and The Last of Us. If true, and they have done nothing to improve the gameplay, has Konami learned the wrong lessons from people complaining about Twin Snakes? People thought the game was too easy because it wasn't built with Metal Gear Solid 2's gameplay in mind. How do you think Delta will play? Okay, before we get going here, now I do realize that our audience is a little bit older and knows about a lot of this stuff, but I'm not going to assume anything. There are some younger people who are a part of our community as well, so I'm just going to fill them in. If you don't know, Twin Snakes was a, I would call it a remake of the first Metal Gear Solid for GameCube. It was under development by the same studio that made Eternal Darkness, Silicon Knights. Uh, generally, it's far better looking than the original Metal Gear Solid. Obviously, it's running on superior hardware. However, they made some changes to the game that a lot of fans weren't super supportive of, I guess is, about, is a good way to put it. And to Bakby's point, they didn't really update how the game actually played all that much. So let's see. I guess instead of looking at Twin Snakes, because I would guess that Konami has completely forgotten about Twin Snakes at this point. Uh, so I don't want to focus on that too much. Um, I think the better way to look at this is to look at the history of Konami and how Konami has typically dealt with things, particularly after it parted ways with Hideo Kojima. Uh, since that has happened, uh, Konami tried to make a new Metal Gear game. If you remember, it was that weird like multiplayer take on Metal Gear. Um, it wasn't successful. I didn't enjoy it all that much. It was kind of weird. And I think that's the best way I could describe what Konami has done since Kojima left. Everything has been a little weird. To be honest, it hasn't even really released that many games for consoles. It's been releasing like Bomberman games and a couple 2D Castlevania games here and there. Mostly mobile stuff, honestly. Um, so just looking at that track record, what Konami has actually done since it parted ways with Kojima... I would say it's probably going to play exactly like Metal Gear Solid 3, the original version of Metal Gear Solid 3. Now, a lot of people have had their memories refreshed on that game because it just came out in the Metal Gear Solid Master Collection Volume 1. And I think a lot of people were given a very harsh reminder that Metal Gear Solid 3 did not play particularly well. And I'll be honest with you, I don't expect this remaster, and I think that's exactly what it is. I think it's a remaster and not a remake. I don't expect this remaster to play all that differently from the original Metal Gear Solid 3. Now, some of you guys may be sitting there saying, cool, <laughs> like, that's what I want, because a lot of you actually liked Metal Gear Solid 3. However, I do wonder if a lot of you have not played it recently and have had to deal with the weird CQC system and the weird healing system and all the menus you have to navigate. It's a clunky game to play. Um, so I agree with you. I would hope that they would make some changes. Now, I guess one thing I would say is maybe they find some better ways to handle some of the management, the inventory management stuff. Um, I mean, it doesn't take a genius to figure out how to improve that. So lowest hanging fruit, I would guess that Konami does something to that. But otherwise, I think Konami might be a little bit scared to try to change things too much 
that Kojima created because it really hasn't had a lot of success since Kojima left the company. So my guess is they keep it pretty true to the original, although maybe some slight quality of life tweaks here or there. I think we're both just hoping for the best. Our next question comes from Kalib Twalai. Someone recently created a game using AI tools, including Dolly, ChatGPT, and Midjourney. There will undoubtedly be a deluge of games created by AI from now on. Do you think AAA game studios will take advantage of AI? Do you think it will have an impact on ballooning game development budgets? Well, actually, that wasn't the first game created by AI. Uh, there have been several games that have been created just by ChatGPT alone. Now, they're very simple. Um, the game that you're talking about is definitely a lot more involved, which is why I can understand why you would equate it to big-budget AAA developers maybe using the same methodology to create a video game. Now, first I would say no. I don't think that a big-budget AAA studio is going to make a game entirely with AI. Do I think that some of these studios might start using some of the things available via AI? I do. Um, one thing I think that studios, even big studios, might use AI for is for like character generation, like art. And I, I hate to say that they would leave art up to a computer, but I'm just telling you like the art that AI creates is pretty freaking amazing. Like, I struggle. I'm sure artists maybe can tell, but as a non-artist, at least, you know, as far as that type of art, um, it's really hard for me to tell if something is created by AI as far as just art is concerned. So character creation, let's say you have a rough idea of what you want your main character to look like and be like for your game, but you want a bunch of permutations and combinations or tweaks on that concept or idea. I think AI could be great for that. It could replace a lot of the workshopping that they do with consumers to try to figure out which characters do or do not resonate with them. Um, I think they could save some time and money there. Um, do I think that maybe they could work on an art style for a game using AI? Yeah. Um, do I think they would allow AI to make that decision? Probably not. I think they would rely on a real human artist to decide on the artistic vision for a game. However, once you kind of have that character that AI has created and you want to create a world where that character fits, it might make sense for AI to come up with five different concepts for that that then your human artist can kind of get inspired by and riff off of. So I do think that big studios will eventually use AI to develop games. I don't think it will be in the high consequence areas of game development that most of us actually care about. Um, do I think it will take away some jobs, replace some jobs? Probably. I don't think a lot, though. I think maybe the bigger opportunity for AI in the future is programming. <laughs> That's kind of the scary part, is allowing AI to do all the heavy lifting as far as coding. Um, I know coders are probably sitting there right now saying, That's insane. That'll never happen. I don't think people thought AI would get as far as it is right now. So, and I've already seen it. We've seen very simple games already be programmed by AI. Um, do I think it can evolve and eventually create or do coding for big budget games? I do. I think that may be 10 years from now or something like that, but I do think it's coming. Um, I think answering this question even two years from now, I would probably have a completely different answer. Five years from now, answer completely upside down. 10 years from now, I didn't know what the hell I was talking about 10 years prior. So, 
AI, the advancements are moving so fast and it's so new, I don't think that people generally know what to do with it yet, but they're gonna figure it out. Our next question comes from the one and only Red Fox. You have been to Japan a lot, and during your last vacation you visited Greece. Which three countries would you still like to travel to if you had the time and the money? Well, first of all, for starters, that is not, those are not the only places I've visited. I've also been to Italy. I did a tour of Italy for my honeymoon. So we landed in Milan, then we went to Florence, then we went to Rome, and then we went to Venice. And then I did a huge tour back in 2012 of Western Europe. Um, so we started in Amsterdam, and then we went to France and Paris, and then we went, and then we drove in a car from Paris all the way down to Barcelona. Um, and so we've kind of seen, I, I would love to go back to Spain, for example. Like, I've been to Spain, obviously, but I didn't get to go to a lot of the cities there. I would love to go back there. I'd love to go to Monaco. I could go on and on. There's still a lot of countries in Europe that I haven't visited that I'd like to visit. Now, I'll just be honest with you, and I don't want to offend anybody who lives there, but... Eastern Europe is not really my thing. I'm not really interested in visiting there. My wife does really like that area. That's where her family is from. And she has actually gone on trips with her friends to that part of Europe without me. <laughs> I had to work and I just wasn't all that interested. The cost was too high. And so she went and she did all the Eastern European countries uh, with, with a couple of her friends at one point. Um, but I have very little interest in Eastern Europe. I used to really want to go to Egypt um, but then I talked to people who went there and almost all of them were like, I regret it. <laughs> they said that they got there and they kind of did the pyramids and all that stuff in like two or three days. And then they struggled to find other things to do that were fun or exciting. Um, they also said that the cultural issues there kind of had them on edge a lot. Um, so I don't have much interest in going there now. <laughs> Honestly, I've watched several like 4K like video logs of people who went to the pyramids. I, I don't know. I've also heard that there's a lot of swindlers in Egypt and people are constantly trying to scam you out of your money. So I've kind of lost the interest in going there. And I'll be honest with you, a lot of Middle Eastern countries, I don't have a huge interest in visiting. A lot of it is just like, the culture, cultural stuff. Like when I go on vacation, I don't want to have to worry if it's okay to drink a beer. Like again, it's your country. You can decide what you want to do with your society. I'm not saying that they're right or wrong. I'm just saying when I'm on vacation, I want to let my guard down. I don't want to have my guard up. Can you understand that? <laughs> Even though I don't do like tropical vacations where I lay by the beach for five days and get drunk or whatever, like that's not really what I want to do for vacation. Still, like... I want to be able to relax. I, want, I don't have to worry about, like, is my wife wearing her headscarf correctly? Or are we saying something that's going to offend somebody? I don't want to deal with that on vacation. So, honestly, most Middle Eastern countries, I'm not all that interested in visiting. I would like to go to Israel someday because there's a lot of history there. And, again, I'm, like, a big history buff. When I go on vacations, I like to be exposed to history. So I would like to visit Israel someday because it is a democracy. It's a little more westernized. I don't feel like I would be nervous while I was there. Um, but obviously, with all the stuff that's going on there, that's not going to happen for a really long time. Um, I would like to visit Mexico. I have never really been to Mexico. I know that's hard to believe because I live in California. Like, I've been across the line, like, into, like, the towns just on the other side of the border in California here. I've never been to Mexico, like, real Mexico. Um, and again, my wife doesn't really like hot weather and laying by the beach. I do more than her and that's why we haven't gone but i would like to experience mexico and honestly 
I w- there are like five countries I would love to visit in South America. Um, and I would love to spend more time in Canada. I've been there a couple times, but I haven't spent enough time. I've been to like Montreal and Toronto, but I've never been to like the whole Western side of Canada with Vancouver and all that area. And I'd love to see that. It's beautiful. Um, so those are some of the areas I'm still looking at visiting. And honestly, I would just love to go back to Europe. I loved Amsterdam. I loved Barcelona. I would, I would love to go back to either one of those cities for any amount of time that I can. So um, I do love to travel, and I do love history, and that's kind of where I angle all my vacations towards. However, it's probably going to be quite a while until I go on another vacation because the last one I went on, if you remember, I had to pay for it with credit card points, and I drained all of them, and I'll have to build all those points back up again to afford another free vacation. So it's probably going to be a while for me, but those are kind of the places that I have my eye on. All right, our last question for this week's episode comes from AJ the Legend. Throughout your career, what do you consider your most rewarding and least rewarding jobs? Oh, man. So I guess career, does that include everything? Or does that include, like, jobs I did after I got a college degree? I don't know. Um, I'm just going to consider it all because a lot of people don't have college degrees and their career is still a career. So I guess my least rewarding job was probably... Hmm, probably working in a gas station. (laughs) That was like my high school job and people were so mean to us. Like back then they had full serve, meaning we would have to go out and pump people's gas. It cost like five cents more per gallon for full serve. And typically the only people who would come in there for full serve were like old people. Um, And they were just mean to us. Like all of my friends, we all worked at this gas station. It was all like our high school jobs. And people were just mean to us. There's no other way to put it. Like, they treated us like we were dogs. Um, and we were just slaves there to, like, you know, they, they're like, we're paying five cents more per gallon. So you need to check the oil, fill up the oil, check all four of my tires, clean my windshield. And if you didn't do that fast, and it's how they wanted it done, they were just straight up mean to you. So that was a pretty demeaning job. But I stayed there because all my friends were working there, too. And that kind of made it fun every once in a while. So that was probably my least rewarding job. My most rewarding job, fortunately, that's a tough call. Um, I do realize a lot of people work several jobs in their careers, and they never find one that's really all that rewarding. And in the grand scheme of things, as far as like changing the world and making things better for people, I don't know that any of my jobs have been all that rewarding because I work in entertainment or have worked in entertainment. But I guess maybe as far as like, working someplace and then when I left things were different it's tough um G4 you know we created the most successful video game tv show of all time but those don't even exist anymore so did that matter all that much I don't know um but the people that I worked with at G4 I am still great friends with like all of them all of them so there was something about working there. It was a community thing. Um, And that was very rewarding for me. As far as a job where I started there and then we did a bunch of awesome stuff that changed things for good. And then eventually I left. It has to be MTV and game trailers because I just said this on Game Face this week, but we created everything. (laughs) Like, 
no one wants to pat us on the back. I don't know why, or it doesn't even it doesn't really matter at this point. But the truth of the matter is, is that while I was at Game Trailers, my team and I, we created pretty much every style of video content that you guys are still watching today. We created all of it. We created the comparison video, which created an entire business called Digital Foundry. They're like, oh, we can do this, but we can do it more. And that ended up being an entire business for a website. How we did video reviews, that's now how everybody does video reviews, how we did video previews, how we would go to events and we would shoot off the screen if they wouldn't give us direct feed, people were still doing that, like everything. We created everything. So that as far as just accomplishments on the job would be the most rewarding, but I'll be honest with you, like the people that I worked with there, they've all just like, it's like I don't exist. So, and it's weird too, because some of the people there, I hired from G4 to bring there. So I knew them at G4 and they were different there than they ended up being at game trailers. It's really weird. Um, you know, again, I've never been invited to do a single thing with Easy Allies ever. Like, that's insane. I've had them on our shows, I don't know how many times. Like, I don't know what, why or what, but for whatever reason, the people that I worked with there, they just ended up not giving a crap about me. And so ultimately, that job kind of ended up being unrewarding because I care about the people that I connect with. The work is cool and all, but it's really about the people that you meet on your jobs. And so ultimately, like, I don't know. Those people ended up not caring about me. So um, I guess if I had to choose, it would probably end up being G4. Um, those were also the most fun times I ever had in my career. I wasn't getting paid all that much money, so I had pressure, but not so much pressure that it made like going to work like almost dreading sometimes. Like that never happened at G4. It was just a more fun job at that point because again, I was like not even real. I was kind of in management, but not really. Like I managed editorial for the network, but people knew that I knew what I was doing and they didn't mess with me. So I guess most rewarding, I would have to say, it was G4. All right, that's it for this week's episode of Ask Shane Anything. Once again, thanks to everybody who asked great questions. Another great round, another good episode. At least I think so. Um, but we do need more participation. We are kind of low on questions. We pretty much just answered the questions that were asked in the last week. And we're going to need more for next week. And I'll just be honest with you. like If we don't start getting more questions, then we're going to have to start considering doing the show on a less frequent basis. Maybe once a month or twice a month or something like that. But... Look, that's just if the questions stop coming in. So if you guys can go over there and make sure that that doesn't happen. Um, also, if you like the show, please consider bumping up that pledge to that $7 a month Ask Shane Anything tier. It'll be much, much more likely that the show will continue. So hope you guys have a great weekend. I don't know if any of you guys are going to be playing Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 this weekend. If you are, I'll be playing on PS5. My gamer tag on PlayStation is Dinfire. Add me. And we can go shoot some fools over the weekend. So anyway, hope you guys have a great weekend. We'll see you on Tuesday for Game Face.